Welcome to the Remembering Ethan podcast. I'm Chris Tafoya. Before I talk about my guest today, there's something I would like to mention. When I first spoke with Ethan's parents about starting this podcast, a request I received from his father, Brad, was that I donate any money raised through the podcast to a place in Phoenix, Arizona called the Sounds Academy. Now, the Sounds Academy is an organization that provides music instruction and instruments to underprivileged children. Since I don't advertise or uh, haven't created a subscription-based format here for you to listen to the podcast, I haven't raised any money through the podcast so far. So I thought it would be a good idea to create a fundraiser to see if we could raise some money to donate in Ethan's name to the Academy uh, so that a student in Arizona could receive either some free music lessons or an instrument so that they can enjoy the love of music as well. So if you are interested in contributing to the fundraiser, I am going to post a link on the Facebook page, uh, which is officially called the Remembering Ethan Podcast Facebook page. You can go there and find the link uh, if you are interested in donating to see if we could raise some money. I will also tell you the URL address, the web address right now, and that is gofund.me forward slash BBCA1C79. And all of the letters in that web address are lowercase. So if that sounds like something that you'd like to be a part of, um, please find the GoFundMe project website and uh, you can contribute through there. Thank you. Okay, so my guest today is Matt Tenner. Now, Matt um, is someone who was always around in the scene back when we were performing in the early 2000s. He ran sound at uh, Sugar Daddy's there in Scottsdale, Arizona. And when I first heard that he and Ethan were um, performing together, I was very surprised and impressed when I finally saw them because I didn't even know that Matt played guitar or sang. And as I mentioned in other podcasts, they did a really cool thing where they would perform the second half of Abbey Road. Now, Matt was a very good friend of Ethan's, and I've known him for a lot of years as well. Uh, Just like many of my other guests I've spoken with, we all met Ethan around, well, I met Ethan around the same time that I met Matt. And um, I was, when I first was talking to Mike Mercier, he reconnected me with Matt. We got in touch with each other and he agreed to be part of the podcast. So we've been keeping in touch and uh, we finally got a chance to meet up. Matt's a very busy guy as he owns a business now, um, which you'll hear us talk about during the interview. We finally decided to meet up and had a great conversation. So here's my talk with Matt. I hope you enjoy it. Matt, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, sir. How are you tonight? Oh, it's a good night, and it's great to see you, dude. Uh, same. I'm trying to think about the last time we saw each other. Um, I think it was a, a definitely a couple years before I left in 2010. Mm-hmm. Do you do you remember? I know. I, I think it was at a gig that you and Ethan were doing. I used to love watching you guys do the Beatles thing, and I've talked about it on the 
podcast a few times when you would do the second half of Abbey Road. <laughs> yeah, that that seems to be uh, that seems to be a, a topic every now and then, um, even to even to this day uh, with uh, friends of mine and stuff like that. And I would definitely like to get into that a little bit, how that started uh, a little bit. Oh, later. sure. But, uh, oh, that's one of my yeah, questions. It's it's quite a it's it's quite an interesting story how that got started. It was very random, but uh, we'll get into that later. OK, um, yeah. So um, last time I saw you. Yeah, I think it was. In my memory, it was at a at a Ethan gig uh, out on in Glendale, Arizona, um, and uh, probably around yeah, like two thousand seven or eight, somewhere around in there. Um, okay. And um, yeah, I think that's probably the last time I remember seeing you. We we always crossed paths. We never had gigs together or anything like that. Right. Um, but uh, we would always cross paths somehow. Either you know, Sugar Daddies was always like the hub, at, you know, at mm-hmm. that at that point in the in the music era of Scottsdale and kind of Phoenix area. Um, that we would always kind of meet up somehow. Um, you know, running. Uh, I ran sound at Sugar Daddies quite a bit, so I would always you know at I least on a on a Christophoya project uh, gig and and uh, the recording of the the first album and stuff like that. I think That's I was. Right indirectly uh a part of that i think i i honestly i don't know if i want to take credit for it but i uh because i think alan chadwick might might uh, raise an eyebrow but i i think i at least ran the live sound part of that album recording yeah dude i remember that was that was just uh that was my first time you know recording a set of songs that i'd worked out with actual people and right (laughs) I remember being really excited and really nervous that night and and also having uh, just a ton of fun. And um, that's an awesome memory, man. Just us all being together and recording that live album. It was just really cool. Yeah. Um, so, so you said that you say that you think you feel as if though the last time I saw you was at an Ethan gig. Do you remember where somewhere circa 2007, 2008, but yeah, it was uh or the circumstances was, around it. Yeah, I remember uh, myself. I think uh I think it was like a I think we had some for some reason like you guys were playing a gig um very close by. I wanna I feel like there was some kind of sporting event or something happening. It was over by Glendale Arena. Uh-huh. And just like you guys just happened to you and Randy, you ha- happened to be there, and Ethan and I were playing out by, you know, some fountain or something. We were always like classic for those okay. gigs. Yeah. We would, you know, he would always get this gig that was next to, you know, the where the kids play or something like that. So right. we would, you know, we would do our acoustic duo thing there. And after the gig, I remember both of you guys kind of walking up and and uh, you were playing some joke on me and hold me up for my guitar or something. And I and Ethan had no reaction. He was just like looking back like, what? Like, who's this guy? And then I turn around. And of course, it's you. And and uh, and randy i think randy was there and probably we were connected at the hip yeah like chatting for you know 15 20 minutes and and just about you know how was the gig how was your gig stuff like that you know kind of how we always did you know we just like i said earlier we just always kind of crossed paths and and we never did you know we were never a part of anything together now randy and i did some stuff together um for a little bit um nothing steady but just kind of like hey you know hey come join me on this gig for a little bit because between the both of us. And I think probably the same with you guys, you know, you guys had an amazing dynamic, nothing like what we did. I mean, you guys had like a completely different, (laughs) you know, to the point where somebody painted a mural of you guys, you know, 
<laughs> right. uh, at a stage at a bar at Dos Gringos. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I never had that. I never had that dynamic <laughs> to, to, uh, to have that sort of, uh, sort of thing done. But, um, you know, we, you know, Randy and I would always do things here and there, um, which he was great. And, and we never had to rehearse, you know, there was never any rehearsal. And where I'm kind of leading into that is like with Ethan, you know, you could definitely play a gig with him um, without a rehearsal. And it would be like, man, how long you guys been playing together? And it's like, yeah, you know, we just met each other, you know, through two, three nights ago. And, 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 and it was, you know, you could always just sit down. He, that dude could sit down with anybody. And just play like like we had been playing for years and years and years. And yeah, he was that way. And it was just, you know, that's kind of how him and I got started um, with that situation. You know, how we met and stuff. And I know we're probably going to get into that. but uh, Right. Yeah. Well, before we get into Ethan, I would like to, like, catch up with you mm -hmm. uh, now, nowadays. So from what I remember... You know, because I remember you working at Sugar Daddy's and being the sound guy there. And then after some time, you know, Ethan told me that he would play with you sometimes. And I said, oh, Matt plays? Like, I didn't even realize that you were in <laughs> So from oh, what I yeah. remember, like, you played guitar, you did some piano, uh, you played mm -hmm. keys, and you sing. And, um, that, and, you, and you also had knowledge of, you know, uh, sound equipment, running sound, stuff like that. So... Sure. That's what I remember from back in the day. So what are you up to nowadays? And is that is that kind of stuff still useful in what you're up to nowadays? Or I probably I got out of music uh probably around 2011 or 12. Okay. Yeah. I I you know it was uh it was one of it was or no, I take that back. It was it was probably around the, the economic downturn of like you know, eight, nine, ten, you know, still kind of doing gigs here and there. Um, wasn't doing it full time and then just decided to get into the medical field. Um, been wanting to do that for quite a while leading up to there. Um, and it just seemed like a good time to to kind of transition, you know. It was uh -huh. you know, gigs were kind of few and far between and you know, and unfortunately we're, we were always kind of the first to go in restaurant situations and, you know, stuff like that. So I ended up going back to school. I got, you know, went and got my nursing degree and worked in the, you know, worked in skilled nursing for a while and, and, uh, and then went into home health. And then in 2020, right before we all knew what COVID was, I started a home health company <laughs> Uh, and so, yeah, yeah. So we did, so I started a home health company. So we do, you know, we're, we do skilled, we do the skilled portion of it. Um, you know, the nursing, the physical therapy, occupational therapy, stuff like that. Um, and then I think the day after we signed the lease for the, for the office, they shut the country down Wow. and every, everybody was super scared and don't let people in your home. So, you know, we kind of had to fight through that a little bit, um, but um, to this day, still doing that. You know, we're still doing home health and, and uh, you know, have a handful of employees and, and uh, you know, just kind of just doing that and, you know, enjoying every minute of it. I, you know, I play, I play for the family, stuff like that. You know, sure. my son, my son plays, you know, he kind of tinkers with the, with the piano and, you know, he and the guitar and, and, uh, you know, him and I'll sit down and kind of mess with stuff once in a while, but. 
other than that, you know, it's it's more way more of a hobby now than it was back then when you know it was. So you still play, like you still pick your guitar up and play. Oh yeah, it's not like oh, you yeah. put it down forever. No, yeah, play Good. all the time. Yeah, play all the time. Cool. Play, played probably four hours before we just talked. So yeah, nice, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it's definitely it'll something that'll never leave me. Um, cool. Just doing it for you know, doing it locally professionally. I guess I should say, um, just kind of. It, it was time to find something else. You know, I still love it, but but uh, as we all know, that lifestyle can can be a grind sometimes. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm I'm super stoked to talk to you, man. We've been going back and forth about nailing a day down for about seven or eight months now. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, yeah. So when I yeah, so when I first heard that uh, that you were that this was a, it was a concept at this point of, you know, you were talking about it. I talked to Mike a few times, Mike Mercier about it. And, uh, and I was like, you know, I don't, I just don't see where this is, where this could go. You know, I don't understand. And I was like, it's a cool idea, but you know, where, you know, what, what are we going to talk about? And, you know, so that kind of ended it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a drawn out conversation. And then, and then, uh, you know, then it actually started happening because I'm like, you know, okay, it's a talk, you know, whatever. And then I find out there's like two or three episodes already going. Mike says like, Hey, I did this, I did the episode. And, and so I started listening and man, like I was hooked from like minute three and I, you know, it's just, you start hearing these stories and you're like, Oh wait, I was at that. Or, or I remember that happening or, you know, you have so many different perspectives of, of certain uh, you know nights or or gigs or something like that that this person's talking about that it was like oh yeah I was the you know I was the singer that night on that gig and I remember that you know Alan telling stories Alan Chadwick being like oh yeah there was this one gig and we did this and this this happened and this person did this and it was hilarious and I'm like oh yeah I was uh, I was uh, I was covering that night you know because somebody you know somebody had a different gig so I was you know I was the lead singer that night that's so funny. And, and it just, so then you just keep going. It's just like, well, what happened next? You know, it's just like one of those things where you have to keep listening. Cause it's like, oh man, I remember that. I remember that. And it's brought back so many memories that I, you know, that I forgot about too, of how many, you know, I mean, it'd been a long time since Ethan and I played a gig, you know, uh, up until this, the, this happening and, and, you know, you forget about a lot of stuff. And then when you start hearing other people's stories and stuff, it's like, oh yeah, that's right. That's, oh my gosh, it's so funny. So, you know, I got three or four episodes in and I, and unfortunately, you know, I just kind of stopped because I'm just like, well, I want to do this, but I don't want to have, you know, everybody else's stories in my head to like tell the same thing. Sure. So that's why I ended up telling Mike, like, hey, if you talk to Chris, like I'm, I a hundred percent want to do this. This is, you know, this is, this is great. I love this idea. You know, we have, you know, we all have so many Ethan stories. Um, and I would love to share them and I would love to sit down and just, you know, make a night of it. I mean, we could talk for hours and hours, obviously. So, Oh man, Ethan's great. Yeah. He's one of those people that, um, you know, just the topic of him elicits hours and hours of sure. There, there are plenty of interviews I've had where I've cut, at least I've had to cut it down. You know, I mean, some of them have been almost two hours, a couple or three. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, and even after I talk to people, like we'll get started on other Ethan stories, you know, and it's, it's sure. just, man, he was just so dynamic and fun to be around. And 
you know, touch yeah. so many people's lives that it's not, it's, it's not hard to, and that, you know, there've been a couple of people that I talked to that say to me, well, I don't know how much, I don't know if I could fill an hour and we end up talking for two hours, you know, because sure. once you get yeah. going and it jogs your memory, like you start remembering all these things about them, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's, there's not a day that goes by because of the amount of music that that guy put into this universe mm -hmm. or cover songs or original songs and whatever that he doesn't come up, you know, it's yeah. just, there, there's no way, there's absolutely no way that you could go one day without, you know, unless you got the radio off and earplugs in, you know, <laughs> you, there's no way that you can't, you know, there's always some song that comes up where you kind of chuckle and you're like, Oh Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I remember. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ethan did blah blah blah, or like you, you know, his tambourine or on that one. You know, <laughs> or, or you'll remember, up. or you'll hear, or you'll hear a song, like with some Paul Simon stuff. I'll hear it, and I'll remember <laughs> how he would change the lyrics, and I'll hear him singing. Yes, different lyrics to songs, and it'll make me laugh to myself. You know, like oh, I remember when Ethan used to twist that lyric around or whatever. He was so good at doing that on the spot. <laughs> I sing along in the car to the to the Ethan version every time. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Paul Simon, the, you can call me Al. Yeah. <laughs> that, that guy that it's not those lyrics. It's Ethan's lyrics every time. Right. Every single time. And and lay down. That's, Sally that's, too. that's another yeah. one I've heard. I recently heard lay down Sally, like on the classic rock serious uh -huh. channel or whatever, clean in my garage. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just see Ethan, you know, with his bass, like throwing out all kinds of, and then going into like, you know, um, a Glenn Fry tune or Billy Ocean or something like that. Cause he would do these, we would know, do eighties. Yeah. Songs or men at work or. <laughs> Him and I would do, it's funny you mentioned that. Cause that's actually one of the things I was thinking about the other day when we were preparing for this, um, we would do Lay Down Sally with uh, Subterranean Homesick Blues by uh, Bob Dylan. So we would do that. He would do he would do that song and then go right into Bob Dylan's song and then back to Lay Down Sally. Probably one of my top 10 favorite ones we did because that Bob Dylan song, the timing on that is so weird for me uh -huh. for some reason with the lyrics and how, you know, I never learned it personally. I just right. learned it from just so he could do it. Like we, you know, I'd start out with lay down Sally, um, you know, sing maybe the first verse, he'd sing the second verse, then into the Bob Dylan subterranean and then back to me on the, you know, we would trade off and, and how he sang that song was just, I mean, you know, it was perfect for one and two, it was like, man, there's the timing in that song is so weird for me. It just never made sense in my head that he always pulled it off every time. That's funny you mentioned that lay down Sally because that's what we would do the mashup or whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. is with that Bob with that Bob Dylan song and, and always like I said top ten for sure like top ten it was so great oh man I wish there were some recordings of them doing that. I'm sure somewhere there is but there's not you know it's unfortunately in our era you know in our time when we had everything and I think we had talked about this previously you know in a conversation a few months ago that you know the iPhones were brand new we didn't have video we didn't have all this stuff like if we would take, if we would have transplanted, you know, our, you know, 2000, uh, I'm going to say four or five meeting to now, like the amount of video that we would oh. have had 
and yeah. just I mean that's that's the that's the thing that I miss the most is there's nothing you know I have everything in my brain you know everything right. everything that we ever did you know the Beatles thing none of that you can't hear any of that you can't yeah. you can't go look it up you can't watch it on YouTube and but I but I have that you know and it, right. and and it's and whoever's seen it if they you know they have that and it's uh it's it's very sad to to think about that there's not you know there's not that'll never happen again and and there's nothing to reference it to and you know we just always tell stories about it and that's that's the yeah. that's why that's one of the reasons why I love this so much is because you know we can you know back you know for our for my sake you know there wasn't video there wasn't pictures I can't just pull something up on my phone you know it's just all of what you know, we didn't, we could do anything back then. There was never any incrimination, yeah, we could get away with anything. And, you know, yeah. there was never, you know, and we there was did. Never anything. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everything. We got away with everything. And, <laughs> and, uh, you know, to, but, to, and that's why I like this so much, you know, kind of going back to your previous question, it was like, you know, we can, I can kind of rehash this with, with, and tell the stories that nobody, you know, that there's very few people that, we're a witness to it, you know, it's a, right. it's a, and that's why I love this so much. Cause we can just sit and talk about it and laugh. And, and you know what, if I'm lying, how the hell are you going to know if I'm t- <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. That's a good you point, know? dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard. To, well, and, and, you know, the fact that there aren't a lot of videos and, and a lot of it is passed down by word of mouth or our memory sure. or the stories we tell, I think that kind of adds to Ethan's legend though, you know, Absolutely. because in our mind, you know, if you could see the video, it almost might take away from the mm-hmm. the legend that Ethan was to us, you know, because to us, right. it's way more fantastical than it probably was in real life, you know, but I don't know. It not, probably man. was. Yeah, it probably was. <laughs> I mean, you know, sitting here 15 years later thinking about stuff that happened, you know, it yeah. seems like it was yesterday, man. I don't, you know, right. it's just, it's so, it's very, very strong impact on, yeah. Know, for sure. So, man, I always like to find out um, before I get too deep into Ethan. Um, do you remember how you guys met? I do. I do. Um, it was uh, at Sugar Daddy's, believe it or not. Um, we uh, Tate was playing and I was running sound. I don't know what I don't know. If it was, I think it was like a Sunday night or something like that it was the first time that they'd ever been uh, at Sugar Daddy's. It was funny. They were. They were kind of nervous. I remember Todd uh, coming up to me and he's just like, hey, man, like, how do you think, you know, we do like rock stuff. Is it going to go over? Because I think Sunday nights prior to that were always like funk night. You know, it was always like. I remember funk that. Night. Yeah. Yeah. So like knee, knee deep and like those guys like would play. I think knee deep was like standing Sunday night for like years at Sugar Daddy's. But um you know, I was like, yeah, man, like this is, you know, it's a rock, it's a rock venue, you know, where, you know, I told him a couple of people that had played up who I will not mention in case they hear it. And I remember Todd in Todd fashion and be like, we're way better than them. So we'll be, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, um, so that was the first time I met him. I didn't, I, you know, we didn't talk very much. Uh, it was just more, you know, business, you know, here's your microphone, here's, you know, blah, 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 and all that stuff. And I think, uh, if, if my memory serves me correctly, um, Alan Chadwick had approached me and said, hey, uh, you know, we play over at, uh, there was a place down the street, uh, Flickas, back in those right. days. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
which I think there's a, you know, a three-story apartment complex sitting on there now, but uh, wow. yeah, gone. Like all that stuff, man. You wouldn't even recognize half the places down through really? there now, but uh, so he's like, hey, like we would, you know, are you available to play? I think it was like Thursday nights at Flickers was Tate, you know? And so I was like, absolutely. Like I was, you know, 22 or three years old. I'm like, yeah, we run in sound for this band. Like the, the Tate was great. And, you know, they were awesome. They were so, they were yeah, such they a, were. a breath of fresh air from like a lot of the stuff that I was doing at that time, watching, you know, running sound and, you know, watching, you know, Alan, I mean, Alan's a ridiculously great guitar player. Ethan, obviously, is a, you know, standalone, you know, no comparison bass player and, you know, Todd's vocals and, and, and musicianship, Tony King on the drums, like, come on. <laughs> like, I mean, we're awesome. Where, you know, where are you going to find a better, you know, a better four, four piece band? I mean, come on. It was so great. So we, you know, so I went and, you know, Alan, set me up with his, you know, of course, because he had all the great tech, like we said before, you know, he's got this automated board that, you know, you only see in these big ass studios and you know, he's got this automated live board and he's just like, oh, just come here and press this button. And then once you get it set, just hit this. And like, you know, you're good for the next, you know, to, for whenever. So again, if my memory serves me correctly, something had happened. I don't know if it was between the band members or whatever, Todd might have a different story. I'm more than happy to to laugh about it with him. He got pissed and and you know walked off stage or whatever. And uh, <laughs> Ethan was closest to me, and he goes, "Hey man, you know anybody that can play guitar like is a joke?" And I was yeah. like, "Dude, I can. Yeah. What do you want? What do you want to do?" And uh, and he's like, "You play?" I was like, "Yeah, I play." He's like, "What do you want to do?" And I was like, "Well, I know this. I know I know Dave Matthews. I know that." And he's like, "Let's do Dave Matthews." Uh, Ants marching or something like that. So I jumped up, grabbed Todd's guitar, played that song with them. First time ever. And of course, in my brain, I'm just like, this is amazing. Like it was like we had rehearsed it for two months and then played it that night. Like wow. it was perfect. And then I think Todd got his, you know, whatever happened. Maybe he had to go to the bathroom. I had no idea. So in my brain, he got pissed about something and like walked off stage. And and that's kind of how that started. And then he said, Ethan said, Hey man, come to the open mic at Jilly's on Sundays. Yeah. I was like, all right, cool. I'll do that. So when I think I played, you know, play like one song, a couple songs with them. Um, then it just kind of evolved into, you know, half a set kind of a thing. And then one day, and this kind of leads into the Beatles thing, which we can either get into now or later. He said, give me the craziest thing you've ever, you like that you play. Give me, the, give me the craziest Beatles song you know. And I was like, well, I could, I kind of can do like the last half of Abbey Road, but it's like really shitty. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, all right, let's hear it. So I kind of, you know, started with uh, the Sun King deal. Uh, horrible, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, played like, you know, probably five lyrics or, you know, five verses of, <laughs> of, of each song leading up to the end, which again was probably horrible. And I just remember him like he was sitting in front of me at the when we were, you know, I was playing the gig and he literally pulled up a chair around to the front of me and he grabbed his guitar and he was like trying to, you know, we were trying to kind of do things together on the fly. And he was like, you and I need to we need to do this. I mean, this is probably like the fourth time I met him. 
Uh-huh. And I was like, ah, oh, dude, I'd love to. Like, the, I mean, he was like, no, he's like, we really, really need to do this. And he, uh, that's kind of how that started with the the last half of Abbey Road, um, which again, we can get into in a little bit, but uh, that's, that's how I met him. It was just like a completely random set of events that just never really, it was never really like an Ethan and I thing. You know, again, it was like, I met Todd and then Alan was like, Hey, can you do sound on Thursday for us? And then it was like, Hey, can, can you fill, can you fill a couple songs for us while our lead singer is doing whatever? And, uh, and then that's, that's how it happened. Like it was just completely random. And then we, and that, that formed a, you know, seven, you know, seven year musician relationship and a 15 year relationship, you know, personal relationship. Yeah. Wow, what a cool story, man! So, the, I mean, the first first time you met, like, met him or interacted with him was actually by performing with him. By just like almost as a joke of just like, <laughs> hey, hey, can you play? Hey, do you know how to play guitar, man? I'm like, wow. actually, you know what? I I I do. Um, <laughs> I mean, so yeah, like, what do you like? I don't have a guitar here, and like, I'm working for you as a band. You know, they were paying me like, you know, fifty bucks for the night, but you know, of course, I get you know, have all the free stuff I wanted, <laughs> if you know what right. I mean, yeah, you yeah. know, it was just, yeah. So, you know, it was, and again, but to me, it was, you know, as a, as a younger, you know, up and comer, or what do you say, you know, in the local scene, it was, you know, I feel, I felt Dude. like if I, ta- if I attached myself to, to that type of musicianship and that type of band, like that, mm-hmm. Hey man, you know, I might, I might be able to, you know, to do something like this. And, and, uh, you know, this is what I'm looking for. And that was, again, like it was just kind of by chance that through his band members that we formed uh, what we called at the time, uh, uh, our duo group was called Forced Poverty. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, we, we, we formed, you know, we formed that. And as a, as a you know, the, the band name was a joke, uh, actually, that a friend of mine had come up with. And I was like, you know, that'd be a super great band name, you know, like forced poverty. It's so great as a band name. So I threw it his way and he's like, yeah, let's do it. Like it's, it's forced poverty. And we never actually ever had a standing gig together. We were always just filling. It was just always just a fill in like, you know, the lead singer tonight isn't going to be here or Todd's going to be out of town or whatever. And that's just, we never had, it was always just like a, you know, Last minute thing, always. Well, it's really interesting to hear how uh, you guys started doing the, you know, second side Abbey Road thing, because that was probably one of my favorite. um, It was one of my favorite things to watch Ethan do with any band that he ever played with was just when you two guys on the acoustic guitar doing all the harmonies and all the parts for all those Beatles tunes and you guys got it to where it was like flawless, man. You know, it was just so good. And the first time I saw you do it was at sugar daddies. And I remember uh, Randy and I were, were there. And I think we like, maybe we had performed earlier in the day for happy hour or something. And you guys were doing like the nighttime thing and we didn't have any more gigs. So we were hanging out drinking. And then as soon as it was like, the sun king. And I remember being like, <laughs> and the coolest, the what was cool about that too is that Ethan is the reason that 
I love the Beatles so much because I wasn't, you know, I never really dug the Beatles growing up and stuff. So he turned me on to them. And yeah. Abbey Road was probably the first, one of the first albums that he, you know, like coached me through. And so it was still really new and exciting for me. So when I saw you guys do that and from tune to tune to tune to, you know, you can't do the bathroom. Yeah. So it was like, man. And by the end of it, I was just like, oh my gosh, that's my favorite thing. And to this day, man, I still remember that, that little, and, and, you know, talking about not having videos or phones. I mean, man, I really wish that you, did you ever record that or do you have any, no. anywhere? No, ah. nothing. No, it's Dude. all, it's all, it's all in, it's all in everybody's head. That's it. And just, just you telling, oh, just you telling that story, um, you know, because up and you know, up until now, I don't, I don't know who's seen that. And and again, it's not like it's you know, it was some like huge epic thing that, but you know, to me and to and to a few people, you know, it was. It was very, it was a, it's very unique. And you know, for you telling that story is is it's emotional to hear that because I do remember, you know, playing through <laughs> through those those songs and and you know that was those were the only that was the only like literally the only uh medley or whatever you want to call it or or anything that that him and i ever rehearsed ever um he took it you know we he you know i was always like oh we can do it we can do it and he's like no we need we need to get this like this is this is serious and i remember he came over to my house and he brought his, he had a Beatles Bible that literally had every, you know, I still have it. Um, it's his, it was his. And, and, uh, and I've, and when Kathleen hears this, yes, Kathleen, you're still getting this Beatle Bible, Beatles Bible. Um, but I still have it. It's his, he brought it over, you know, when we, when we decided we were going to do this and he literally just went through like every note because it has everything. It has all the like, you know, harmonies and, you know, and the bass lines and the guitars and, the instrument you know any instrument that's in a song it's in this book and it's like you know seven inches thick and it's the bible it's the beatles bible yeah so so we sat through this you know for hours at my house and went through it and then the first time i think we actually did it for real <laughs> like we're gonna we're gonna break this out and do this was in Prescott. uh we covered gigs for brad the dad and he was like, we're doing this song tonight. We drove up to Prescott together. And I remember there were some parts that I wasn't super familiar with. And again, we didn't have Google. We didn't have like anything, you know, we couldn't like look shit up. You know, we couldn't be right. like, what were those chords or how do we do this? And I remember I had the, remember the next telephones where you could like, you know, beat people and like all that stuff. Yeah, I, I remember those. So I remember um, I was walking into the gig and uh, and there was like a little like backstage thing area at this place. And we did this Taco Tuesday thing. We covered for Brad the Dad. And I remember calling, like beeping on Nextel to my cousin in Ohio. And I was like, can you get on the internet? He probably had to sign on and, you know, pay right. to like figure it out. But uh, I was like, can you look up this song on this website and tell me the five chords in this you know, in this section, because I don't remember them. And I, I wrote them down on a piece of paper. He told me, and I remember like setting them on the monitor. And like, that was the first time we played it. And I, and 
and man, it was just people were, you know, drinking and, you know, eating tacos and, and shit. And they just like, I just feel like, and, and I know this isn't true, but I feel like at that point when we were like halfway through that song, everybody just kind of stopped and they were just like, what is going on here? What is this? You know, it probably did. What, dude. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, of course, you know, it's in my 25 year old brain. of just like, we're, you know, we're badasses. This is, this is awesome. You know, yeah. but like, uh, but I really did feel that way in that, in that time where just people just like set their drinks down and just like, wait, this song's still going on. Like he's doing, the, they're doing the whole album. Like what the hell, you know? <laughs> and, and it was and that, and just from that point on, once we, once we kind of broke it out into the public, like that was just kind of him and I's thing. And then we had this, we had this thing with uh, Pink Floyd that we would do, um, you know, breathe in time all the way through. Wow. You know, we would start and, you know, we would do that song where it would just, he would do all this crazy stuff with, uh, you know, with his bass or whatever, or he would, you know, however he did his sound effects and his, with his voice and stuff like that. And then, you know, we would, we would start with breathe, you know, go through time where, you know, when breathe would end. And then I would do the TikToks on my, with muted on my guitar. And then he would do all of the, you know, all of those, uh, you know, effects and stuff on his acoustic guitar where I'm just like, how the hell did you do that? And we would go through that entire song so towards the end before i stopped playing you know out in, out in public and stuff like that he would would always say like come on man we got to do this we got to do this and he wanted to call it dark side of the road where we did you know uh -huh. dark side of the you know we would do you know four or five songs off the of dark side of the moon into the last half of abbey road like that was like his final thought of how we should put all of this together it never happened um you know, as a, as a whole, but, but we, we still had those kind of two things that it was always anticipated for people that always saw us, you know, that would, we had the, you know, the one regular person that would come out <laughs> that uh, be like, Hey, do dark side of the moon, or you'd have the, Hey, do the last half of Abbey Road. So that's kind of how that started. It was just like a, kind of as a joke at an open mic of just like play your random, most random Beatles song. And I was like, yeah, I can do like this. But then it just like went to, you know, to, to how we did last half every road. And, yeah. you know, people that have never seen me play or seen us play or anything like that and family members of his who, who have had the fortunate uh, under unfortunate circumstances, you know, have been fortunate to meet. have been like, oh, you're the Abbey Road guy. And I'm like, oh yeah, okay, like, yeah, I'm happy. Like, I didn't know it was that cool. Like, it was cool. Don't get me wrong. But, no, damn, that was really cool. You know, that was like 15 years ago, man. You know, but but to <laughs> have people it are still stick, talking about it. Yeah, to have it stick like that, just for, you know, yeah. you know, for for as you said earlier, the three or four friends and a couple family members. Like, it's it's it is. It's super cool, and I'm glad that we were able to do that and and to leave you know his family and friends and stuff like that. That kind of memory you know, with the Beatles, because as you said before, like, I mean, anything Beatles on that guy. I mean, I, I know you can't, I know that we can't see anything right now, but, you know, as an inspiration and as a tribute to Ethan, you know, I have a, I have a yellow submarine Lego set and the Beatles love cup, you know, I mean, dude, it's yeah. every time you hear a Beatles song, it's Ethan. That's what yep. it is. Yeah. Oh, for sure, man. You know, for me personally, um, you know, I feel like you and I were were in kind of similar circumstances in the way that, 
you know, I was in my mid twenties and I had been playing guitar, you know, since I was, I don't know, 10, 12, something like that. But he was definitely the most advanced musician that I ever jammed with. And yes. I learned a ton playing with him, you know, how to interact with audiences, um, dynamics, timing, you know, what, what lessons did you get from your time performing with Ethan? Like, are there, are there things that you took away from performing with him? Yes. And, the, and they were, they were probably the opposite of what I should have taken away from it. <laughs> but, uh, but, but you're right. You, you know, he was, he was on a different level, you yeah. know, and, and it was, and I always, I always laughed at like, you know, how he would direct, he could direct a band better than any person on the planet. Yeah. But when it comes to me, <laughs> it was never that easy. I don't think because, you know, he was, and, and I'm sure you, you've been in these circumstances when, you know, we'd be at a, you'd be at a gig and, you know, he'd be like, somebody'd come up and be like, oh, play it, blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, I don't know it. And he's like, I know it. And and he would, you know, direct this entire band how to play this song, but he would do it through numbers because that's what made sense to him. He would be like, all right, it's a key of E and that's all he would say. And then it would be like E and then he would be like, blah, 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 and then throw up like a four. Yeah. The whole, the whole rest of the band would direct to that four I'd be like, what the hell is he doing? I don't even, what four of what? You know, why is he throwing a three up in the air? Why is he throwing a one? Like, what the hell is he doing? And it never made sense to me, even to this day, for some reason. I know what he's doing now. You know, where he's saying like, you know, if we're on if we're on the key of E, we need to go to three. So wherever that chord is or whatever that is, that's where we're going. But he learned very quickly <laughs> when it was me, he'd have to yell the chords out because I couldn't do the math in my head quick enough <laughs> to know what chord we were going to, what the fourth chord of E was or what the second chord of D was. I, you know, it's like I'm trying to like remember the lyrics and remember, you know, how the song goes. And he's, you know, he's just throwing numbers up and, and I never got that. Um, the other the other thing about what you were saying about how to, you know, to interact with crowds and stuff like that. And like that he taught you how to do that stuff. Complete opposite for me. I would be super happy that he was at, uh, at my gig. So he could be the one doing that and not me. <laughs> I never, never wanted to be a showman, never wanted to be a front man, which is completely ridiculous considering, you know, lead singer, guitar player, but I was never, I never had that dynamic. So when I knew when he was there, I knew that it was going to be a ridiculously great gig because if it was me, it was probably just going to be boring. And this guy never talks and hides behind the microphone. But when Ethan was there, it brought out a show that I could never do by myself. Mm -hmm. And even after years and years of, of, of witnessing it and watching it, I still could not, you know, I was too shy and, you know, I don't, I don't like to, that's not, that wasn't me, which was weird because that I should have been that. I should have been the front man. I should have been the person, but if he was there, I always knew I was covered. I was like, ah, Ethan's got it. Like, I don't have to do shit. I just have to, you know, I just got to get through the songs and, you know, sing the, sing them as best I can. And, and uh, he can be the goofball and, and play the crowd and get everybody fired up and, they're going to love us because of him, not because of what I'm doing. And I was always okay with that. 
<laughs> well, you should give yourself some credit too, man. I mean, you were you were adding plenty to it, but I I get what you're saying, you know. And when and when you talk about, you know, the first time he tried to show me which you know what number or what progression they were going to, yeah, I was the same way, dude. Deer had like, uh, <laughs> yeah. So he, you know, he quickly would be like E. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, because also also while throwing the, the numbers yeah. up to the to the musicians. Right. <laughs> and, and I'm just like the guy like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Dude, okay. he could spin 10, yeah. 10 plates. I know. I know. Be joking, a, was... playing, singing, directing, yeah. uh, flirting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep, absolutely. It was just natural for him, man. Now, is there yep. any what is there any particular gig that sticks out in your mind as as like your favorite memory of performing with them? Man, you know that's a great question. Um, you know, so, short of sounding just like completely cliche on this, but like there wasn't really a bad gig I ever did with him, and and a lot of them stick out of my mind. Um, you know, there's some there's some times that you know, kind of reverting back to what I was saying about you know, as long as he's there you know, this gig going to be freaking amazing. I remember like a last minute, I don't even know how they got this gig or what it ever, how it ever came about, but they got this gig at this like frat party at ASU. And they called me for some dumbass reason to do this gig. I don't know why. Like I had no business doing this gig at all. <laughs> and, and just, I mean, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't my style of music. Like, you know, I'm like, you know, <laughs> Beatles and, you know, Tom Petty and shit. And like these, you know, they're all 20 year old kids. I'm like, damn, they're 30. And, and that gig stands out to me as a gig that I hated walking into because I'm just like, why, you know, why am I here? And I think that I was just like a last minute, like some, like either somebody was sick or something and they were like, call tenor, like he'll do it. And I just showed up like, but he carried that gig to a point where he made us that entire group that night look like, you know, rock stars, man. Like that we were like, like our next show was going to be at America West arena. And we were just there as a pre-show and everybody loved it. And it was so great. And, and I, and, but walking into it, I was like, this is what the hell am I doing here? And I don't, this is not a gig for me. And and just how they set their, you know, put the set list together and and put me into points where they knew would work in the songs that I that I knew as the band would work. That was a memorable moment, just because I thought it was going to be a complete shit show, and they and Ethan and you know and Alan and Tony put that together of like this is what's gonna this is what we're gonna need to do to make this work, and they did it, and it it was. Dude, it was amazing. That's wow. that's a memorable gig for me cool. with them. Only because of how scared I was going into it. That's probably why. Because usually when you when you have the butterflies, those are the gigs you remember. Right. <laughs> that was a gig where I was like sweating. I'm <laughs> just like, this is not <laughs> like we're gonna get murdered up here. Like I'm gonna come up here playing like what? Like, you know, what the hell are we gonna play? And man, it just it just it worked. And it was because of him because he knew what to do. He knew how to, how to make it happen with, you know, he took what we had, which may have not been the greatest, you know, situation and just dude, made it a very memorable night. 
Wow. In a positive way, not in the way of just like that was horrible. You know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he had a talent for that, man. He was the glue for sure. Yeah. You know, so a lot of your friendship and time with Ethan was spent performing. But what was the relationship with him off the stage, you know, outside of performing music? Yeah, you know, it was uh, it was kind of like just what, how you said it. It was just a friendship. You know, it was uh, we would do our gigs. And and like I said before, we we never really had a standing gig or you know, it was a it was the Matt and Ethan show or a forced poverty show or, or whatever it was. Forced poverty was just, you know, the, the name of that was just a, it was almost just like a pickup gig almost every time. So, you know, we would, we would have our, have our fun at the gigs and then, you know, he would either have another band, you know, gig later in the evening that I may or may not show up to, you know, if I, depending on if I had a later gig or not. And, uh, and then, Beyond that, it was just, you know, as, as as a lot of people would probably kind of be like, yeah, he's probably lying. But, you know, phone conversations, as we all know, Ethan was not a phone person. <laughs> he right. did not ever answer his phone. Um, but, you know, between gigs and, uh, you know, it was mostly just him and I, you know, I he'd randomly call me at, you know, midnight or vice versa. And we just, you know, bullshit about gigs or life or, you know, science or stars or, Hey, did you see the moon or, Oh my God, did you see this or, you know, whatever. It was always a, it was always just a positive uh, vibe with him uh, outside of the music because I never really interacted with him, you know, post-show or after parties or anything like that. It was always a gig. And then just like, Oh man, Ethan's calling. And we just, you know, we just chat about nothing or, or about something, that was important to him or important to me. And, and uh, that was kind of how our friendship was a relationship. It was, it was always just a, you know, how's the family? How's this? How's, you know, come by and check out the telescope sometime. You know, I mean, there was a few times where we would just, Hey, come over and, you know, I got the telescope set up out on the street and just sit and chill and watch, you know, check out the stars or the moon or whatever. And that was a, that was one thing that I always liked about him is, that, you know, we might go five, six months without talking, but, but uh, you know, when it, when it happened or if he called, it, it was always just like we talked 25 minutes ago or yesterday, you know, it was just, yeah. he was always just very positive about everything. You know, there was never really a, you know, even if, even if we're all just like, man, that, you know, he's in a weird band right now and it doesn't really sound great. And he probably knew that, but, (laughs) but, but, but it was always like, you know, he was always like, Oh, thanks for coming out. Like, no, that's great. Let's just, you know, everything was so great. Everything was great with him. And I I never really, never really had a moment with him um, where he was, you know, super negative. And even there was a gig that I remember happening at Prescott for some weird reason, you know, I brought my equipment up, we set it up and there was like a shit ton of humidity. And for some reason, my amplifier, my, my power amp for the, for the gig, it kept shutting off because there was moisture. It kept getting into it. Mm. So it was just like kick. Oh man. What a nightmare. Yeah. And like, I was just like freaking out. Just like, Oh my God. Like, you know, first of all, like Ethan's probably just like, dude, what kind of shit equipment do you guys have with, you know, what are you bringing <laughs> up here? And, and we're not going to be able to do the gig and all this stuff. And like, I just remember him 
being so like ridiculously positive about it. he's like dude we'll get it figured out and i'm like freaking out like almost crying like you know we're not gonna be able to do this gig and like what are we gonna do and and he was just like oh man like you know he's laughing and cracking jokes he's calling you know friends probably in his brain like this guy is like after our gig up but i'm trying to call anybody that i can to to get a power amp or some speakers or anything like that and uh the funniest ending of that story is a friend of mine had come with me to that gig and for some stupid reason like had an overnight bag with like a hair dryer in the bag mm-hmm. and we and we plugged the hair dryer in and put it in front of the amp or in front of the power amp in front of the fan worked the whole gig really but this, hair, but this hair dryer was literally on for three and a half hours blowing into the amplifier that saved that gig but through the entire time like 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 i said i'm like almost in tears and he's just like you know happy-go-lucky going around talking to people and like oh we'll get it figured out no big deal like whatever but like he just just never he never had a bad thing to say like he could have easily just been like dude like what the hell like what are we gonna do but uh, he was just like that'll work out and it's funny it did it totally worked out yeah yeah he is so positive, dude. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. one of my one of my favorite parts of being friends with Ethan is that he turned me on to so many cool uh, you know, new music, books, movies, um, topics, subjects, stuff like that. I mean, was there ever anything that he turned you on to or that you would, you know, like show him a new band? Did you guys ever do that have that kind of a dynamic in your friendship? He yeah. Most of the stuff that he would try to turn me on to, no lie, I'd just be like, what in the <laughs> he was like a what was his big what was his big band that he liked for a long Mastodon? time? Mastodon? Yes, Mastodon. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this guy would talk, you know, go on and on and on. You know, we'd be in his truck or something like that. And he's and I'm just like, you know, trying to be like, yeah, man, this is great, you know. And in my head, I'm just like, all right, man, like I get it. Like you love him. Like, you know, basically like stop pushing your religion on me, man. <laughs> like that was basically you know, kind of how I felt with it. Um, I don't think that he, I don't think that he turned me on to anything. I mean, you know, no disrespect. Um, but I, but I think what he did do was really make me uh, appreciate certain bands or groups more by, by the amount of musicianship that went into that band or group of just like, Hey man, I know you listen to the Beatles, but like, are you, do you, do you really, are you really listening to them? Are you really understanding like what is going on? And, and a perfect example sure. of that. And that I, you know, that I'll bring up is like the last half of Abbey Road. Of course we've all heard it. It's great. It sounds fun. And you know, it's whatever, but to sit down and just, you know, for him to like go note by note and be like, dude, th- look at this. And to have that respect and a new appreciation, I think that he, I think he did that for me more than introducing me to new groups or new, you know, music and stuff like that. I think he made me, not made me, but he, you know, he introduced me into appreciating the amount of talent, musicianship that went into what, you know, how these how these songs were made and then like and then then trying to reproduce them on a on a gig level just like 
wow, like I understand. Yeah, you like the Beatles. Everybody likes the Beatles, you know, like, oh yeah, the Beatles. We all know the Beatles. But he he <laughs> he understood the Beatles more than anyone will ever understand them right. on a level, on a level that again, with his musicianship, that guy was a, you know, I know he he would always say it like, oh, you know, he's a, you know, he owns a guitar, or like, you know, he's a guitar owner. He's not a musician. Ethan was always he will always be a musician. He was never a bass you know, owner. He was never a, you know, he, that dude was a musician through and through things that I wish that even to this day that I can understand what he was telling me or how he understood music. That guy, under, that guy could look at a fretboard. He didn't see strings in a, in frets. He just saw like either colors or notes or numbers or whatever. That was how he lived. And it, and it was, and I will, I will never understand that. It was, it was never just a, you know, something that he could just pick up and, you know, explain to somebody. He had his own, he had his own way about it that only he knew. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, we could follow it sometimes. And, uh, but, you know, to, for him to, you know, to go through when he was doing his leads, there's no way that he was looking at that as just strings in a fretboard. It was, there was something else in his brain that he saw with it that that made him yeah. understand it a way that nobody else could there was no tablature in his head dude <laughs> no no it was something whether it was yeah like right. i said it was colors or or numbers or or yeah. birds or something i have no idea but it was never yeah it was nothing that that he could ever explain to somebody but he was very good at uh and I, I hate to use this term, but like almost dumbing down, mm -hmm. you know, the songs and, and and how he wanted it done, so we could all kind of conform to it. Mm -hmm. He he was he was on a different level. I mean, there was just, there's no other way to explain it. There was a couple of things we touched on earlier that um, remind me of of something I'm curious about. You know, first of all, like you know, in that situation where you guys had to put the blow dryer on the amp. <laughs> yeah, his, his level of um, positivity, even in the most difficult situations that and how, you know, if you knew you were playing a gig with them, you were happy because you knew you'd have the crowd interaction and that, and that kind of thing. You know, what did you notice about like, because like for me personally, if I was, you know, solo gigs that I've done or, or when I'm with Randy, you know, when Randy and I used to play together. From Ethan, we learned how to handle people that would come up to the stage and ask for music. And we weren't sure. as good as Ethan where we could just kind of fake our way through. Like we'd have to say, no, sorry, we don't know that song or try to make a joke out of it. Or or sometimes we'd try, if we had enough shots, we'd try it anyway or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But what did you notice about how he handled people that would, because eventually at some point in the night, everyone's drinking, they'll come up to you in the middle of a song and totally throw you off. I mean, uh, we've all experienced that. Those of us who are who at some point in our lives were gigging musicians. But how did he handle those people? Do you remember what those interactions would be like when people would come up to you guys when you were performing and you know ask for a random song that that wasn't on your list? He had a he had a very uh, Ethan way about him that I always used to give him give him a hard time about. That you know, like I always said, he was always super positive and everything and. If, uh, you know, if somebody would come up and, 
you know, if it was just a random, you know, you know, quick interaction type thing, it would, and, and that I always loved about playing gigs with him is, you know, between the both of us. And I, and I know that a lot of musicians can probably say the same exact thing. So I'm not, you know, I'm not exclusive in this situation that he would always kind of deflect and just like, you know, we can play 15 seconds of any song, you know, you, you know, throw it out there. We can play 15 seconds of it between the both of us. We'll figure it out. Like whatever it might not be the whole song. It might not be the whole gig or whatever, you know, every gig, but um, you know, he could always, he could always at least make that person happy about the song they wanted, it, whether it was like a, an Alanis Morissette song or something that you would just be like, what, why in the hell would you ever think that we could play this song? <laughs> you right. But he would, again, pull his, you know, as, as a musician, I mean, like I said, he's a musician. I am not, you know, uh, he's, he could, he's on a different level, but we could, between the both of us or whoever he was playing with, could fake you know, 10 to 15 seconds of that song. And then, you know, he would laugh and they would laugh and they'd be like, oh, that's great. And then, you know, that would satisfy that moment, you know. But if somebody was super persistent about it or or being almost an asshole about it, I would always I would always give him a hard time because, again, like I said, he was always super positive. But Ethan had a laugh that was not a, a friendly laugh. It was very, he was very irritated and and just like, dude, this guy, you know, this guy or girl's got to go. You know, it would just be like this laugh that you would, <laughs> I would always be like, oh God, like he would say, like I would say something to him and he would laugh and I'd be like, oh, that's, that's not the laugh I wanted to hear. Cause like he's, <laughs> he's, he's pissed, but like, he's not pissed, you know, or, or he's not going to think that, you know, make me think that he's pissed, but over, you know, years of playing with him, that laugh became of the like, all right, I got to, you know, maybe I need to get involved and like deflect and like get this dude out of here because Ethan's getting pissed off because I could hear that. I could hear that laugh with him. But, you know, overall, like I said, it didn't matter if we knew it, if we didn't know it or how he handled the crowd. It was he always wanted to make it. We didn't know it or if we knew it, like he wanted to make that person happy, at least for five seconds sure. 10 seconds that we knew that song or whatever and he was really really good at that he was really good at deflecting you know aggression i guess if the, you know like you said people are drinking and people you know they're just like oh why didn't you know that song why not this because i mean we've all had that like people are just like so pissed that you know we don't know every song ever written you know, or there's, right. you know, they just like say a song that you don't even know that, that you're just like, well, who is that? I don't even know who that is. And they're just like, well, how come you don't know that song? But, you know, he could even if he didn't know it, he would make up probably make up lyrics to to get through it, to laugh and everybody laughs. And then that person uh, is good. But um, one instance, uh, one one gig in particular that I remember having with him where that kind of happened. It's where I think he just honestly forgot to tell me what was going to happen that gig but we did a wedding and and i had no idea like you know we just i was just, he's just like hey show up we're doing this okay great so i show up you know we show up to the house or show up to this place it was somewhere in chandler it was like this big it was just a venue but it was uh like almost like a castle people probably in chandler know what i'm talking about but we show up to this gig we play you know an hour and a half and then the person comes up and they say all right, we're going to do the the first dance song. 
I look over at him. I said, first dance song. I go, what the hell? What the, what the first dance song? And he goes, oh, we're playing Wonderful Tonight. I was like, what? I was like, dude, I don't even, I don't even know that song, man. Like, and he was like, well, I don't know the lyrics. And I was like, why? Well, I, I think I know the lyrics, but I don't know the chords. Like, I know enough of it, like, to get by. But, um, and this guy, and the guy was like overhearing this, and he was just like, well, you guys don't know the song. Like, I told you that this one, and he's like getting pissed and all this stuff. And, and so he's just like, no, 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 we got it. We got it. We know it. We know it. And I was like, okay. So he kind of just like, I do this, 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 and this really quick. And and one thing about me with being a musician is as long as you tell me kind of where we're going, um, I can get through it a little bit. But I did know the lyrics of the song, but I didn't know the chords. So I kind of faked my way through the chords while he played the chords. I did the lyrics and we got through it amazingly. And again, like you were saying about how did you how did you deal with this kind of stuff? That guy was super pissed at the beginning because we're, you know, I'm unfortunately super loud and I'm just like, I don't know this fucking song. And he's just like, well, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. And and <laughs> we got through it. You know, the bride and the groom are super happy and, the, you know, the dad comes back and he's just like, oh, that was amazing. And, and but he, if it would have been just me, I would have been like, I'm out. Like, just <laughs> don't, don't even pay me. I'm leaving. But he, again, was able to, you know, grasp that situation, yeah. you know, get that, get that, get that moment and just take that moment, diffuse everything. We get it done and it's done. Like he was always so great at that, which I never was good at that. I would just like, no, I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> he was dude. You know, um, something that's come up a lot with people I've talked about and anyone who knew Ethan knew that he just, his sense of humor was just out of this world, man, you know, and what, what's interesting and fascinating to me after talking to so many people is that it wasn't just, you know, one specific genre or type of humor. It was like, he almost had like a tailored sense of humor with each of his friends that fit their personality. Like what, what, what kind of humor and you, like you have a very dry sense of humor. I remember that about you. Yeah. And you, you're all like, you would be an awesome roaster. You know? <laughs> there were night, there were nights that we were just hanging out at sugar daddy's and you'd be like, ah, this fucking guy keeps turning his guitar up or, you know, like you, you were always real quick to, to bitch about someone, but fly, it was, fly off the fucking handle immediately. You, yeah. you would do, but it was funny to watch you blow up. You know, it was yeah. funny to watch you. Yeah. And um, and that which would only piss you off more. <laughs> but yes. yeah. did you and Ethan have like a special sort of humor that you guys shared? I mean, do you remember we what were, kind of jokes did you make with each other and stuff? Absolutely, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> he was he. You're absolutely like he. You hit that spot on. Like he was very. He would tailor hit the the moment of where wherever he was and whoever he was with. He knew that personality a hundred percent. And, and with me, I'm a little bit more calm nowadays, but you hit the nail on the head. Like I would just fly off the handle and just be like, oh, this guy, you know, he keeps, keeps bitching about the monitor. He keeps doing this. I keep turning it up and it's it, you know, it's, and, and yes. And, and if people would laugh, I'd get even more upset about it, of course. Um, but he would definitely, yeah, he would definitely, um, him and I, him and I always had a, he was always very dry with me and, man, we would feed off each other at gigs. 
like no i mean it, like it was like it was a script you know like and and you you kind of hit it perfect it was a, it was almost like a roast you know we would just we would just you know we would see somebody in the crowd or we would, you know he would say something and it would just be you know and it was never over the microphone it was always just like as we were playing you know you'd lean in and, and say something and we would just kind of feed off each other that way um but yeah ethan definitely would would uh he he would he would conform to my to my personality and he also knew the the buttons to push to, <laughs> so he so he could get a laugh you know so he could so he could make you know so he could have fun at the same time um yeah, but yeah i would i would definitely you know and still like i'm I probably haven't changed that much from from those days at all. Um, but but a lot of my a lot of my projected so-called anger is is probably more of a joke, like just to, you know, just to get a laugh out of somebody else or something like that. Sure. It's not you know, it's not really I'm not really that pissed off. Like I don't live my life that horribly. <laughs> but sure. but 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 with being with him, um, you know, we could feed off each other. You know, he would, we would, one thing that I, that I was, would always crack up about is that, you know, back in the day, I don't know if anybody remembers what checks were, but he would pay me in a check, you know, every night after a gig and whatever happened that night that was like super funny or just like very memorable, he would write in the memo <laughs> what you know whatever joke we had or whatever i don't know if you yeah. that's you i don't i don't know if he did that to he everybody. Did, yeah 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 <laughs> so we would you know we would we would say something you know and i have to be very careful with nowadays but you know back in those days you could you know you can get away with a little bit more but um you know we would you know we would say you know say something he'd write it in the memo and you know i'd go you know we couldn't we couldn't snapshot it and send it to the bank we'd have to go into the bank and they sometimes the bank teller would just be like, "What is like? What is this? You know, mm -hmm. what? You know, why does it say? You know, they serve food here." And I'm like, <laughs> "Oh, because." And in my head, I'm just like, "Oh, because a very, 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 very skinny girl walked in, you, who, you know, <laughs> who looked like anorexic," and he'd be like, "Hey, you know, we're Force Poverty, we're Matt and Ethan. Like, hey, by the way, back there, like, you know, they serve food here." <laughs> you know, and then like we'd like start cracking up about it, and like that'd be like the joke of the night. And then you know, at the end of the night, he'd write the check, and then he'd be like, "Memo, you know, we serve food here." So, you know, the next day when I go cash it, and maybe or you know, possibly remember why or why not, but I'd be like, "Oh, that's right, that girl that weighed like you know seventy pounds and was six foot two, he was just like, hey, you know, we serve food here that no one else in the entire place got." But, right. You know, that was, but he knew that was like my type of humor, and 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 you know we we we'd play on that all the time. There was one that that uh, we were talking about. Uh, somebody came up to us about uh, about, uh, and you might have to cut this out. But uh, we'll see. Talking, yeah, talking to us about uh, Joseph Smith, and and I was like, man, like he was like talking and talking and talking about you know Mormonism and stuff like that, and it wasn't you know nothing was bad was happening. It was just a just a conversation, and at the end of the night, on the memo, he wrote Joseph Smith. So when uh, when I went to the bank the next day, handed it to him, and the bank teller said, uh, "Do you know 
do you know Joseph Smith? And I was like, don't we all? <laughs> and I told him that story the next day. And he was like, I didn't, you know, I completely forgot about that. Like, you know, like that's hilarious. And, but those were the things that he knew like later on or like the next day or two days later that those little things that we would joke about then he would write on the memo and I would forget. I'd hand it to tell her, you know, and 50% of the time they would say like, what, like, what is this? You know? And then I, you know, but that, but he knew I'd get a kick out of that. So, you know, I think, yes, we definitely had a, you know, our own, and I think everybody did. They had their own stories with him. They had their own, you know, their own sense of humor, their own life with him. You know, he never, you know, it was never like an encompassing thing with him. It was everybody was individualized. Yeah. And that's what made him so memorable because, you know, I, I have my version of Ethan and you have your version of Ethan. It was, right. you know, and, and and I'm not saying that in like a, you know, in a mean or a negative or like, oh, he conformed or blah, blah, blah. No, he just like, he just knew, you know, he knew how he could be with me. He knew how he could be with you and, 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 and Randy and Mike and all those guys and Alan and Tony, you know, we all have our own version. There's never one, there's never one, uh, there's never one thing that says like, Oh, you know, yeah. Ethan was always like this. It's like, no, we all thing with him. And it's, that's what made him so memorable. And that's why this works so well. Yeah. That's true, man. What about um, what about conversations? Do you remember any of the last conversations? I mean, in recent years, had you guys been in touch and communicated yeah. with each other, whether it was text or talking over the phone or? Yeah, yeah. Um, the last conversation that I had with him was um, either very early November of a uh, twenty. 20 i think yeah yeah that's that, around the last time i spoke with him okay um and that was yeah that was because he it was december of 2020 right that he passed yeah yeah okay so yeah it was like uh late october early november 2020 um never forget it i don't know if it was because of the ending results but uh i was sitting out back on my patio and his number popped up and, you know, we talked, I think I text him maybe four or five days prior. Um, and he called and for some weird reason, I thought it was just going to be bad news. I don't know. Cause it's like one of those things where you, know, you get a call at like 1030 at night from a person and just like, ah, oh, like what's going on, you know? Yeah, right. And it was just a normal conversation. We, you know, we laughed and joked for, you know, for, <laughs> I mean, like I said earlier in the in the show, like Ethan was not a phone guy. So, you know, spending an hour to an hour and a half on the phone with him was very rare. So that's why it sticks out. But it was always, um, you know, he, he had optimism and he was going through, you know, he was going through the COVID period musician wise where he was trying to, you know, be creative you know, as a musician to try to, you know, still continue to make money. And, you know, he's very, uh, very proud of his, his family and, you know, and his, uh, his wife, um, you know, unfortunately I never, I never met and, and, you know, he had a lot of great things to say and, 
you know, I don't, I don't remember a lot of specifics, you know, we kind of joked about things and probably talked about previous gigs and, you know, laughing about things or whatever. Um, but, uh, and then we ended it and, you know, ended the conversation on a normal note and yeah, I'll talk to you tomorrow or talk to you, you know, Hey, let's, you know, I think one of the things is like, Hey, you know, I, I want to make this a regular thing, man. He always, he always said that, you know, for years and years, you know, even when we got the phone or text, like, Hey man, we need to make this a regular thing. Yeah, of course. Of course we do, man. You know, but unfortunately you always think that, you know, tomorrow's always going to be here. And it's like, yeah. yeah, all right, cool. Let's make this a regular thing. And, and, uh, you know, I think that, you know, even though I didn't see him a lot, um, we still kept in touch at least, you know, every three months, two to three months. We would talk and, you know, laugh about things and joke. And, and I still have, I still have all of his text messages on my phone and, and Ooh. regularly go back and look through them and kind of laugh. Cause you know, we always, we, you know, we always have just had a funny sense of humor and, and uh, you know, about certain gigs and we write, you know, not write, but, you know, make lyrics or songs about certain gigs and stuff like that. And, and it's just, you know, if I, you know, I'm glad that we had that. I'm glad that we had that last conversation because it was probably one of the more memorable ones. And I don't know if it's because of the circumstances, but, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was something that I was very, uh, I felt very fortunate to have and was very shocked at the, you know, at the end result, you know, not even, you know, years later. Man, you know, it's really interesting because, you know, through this journey that I'm on, learning more about Ethan, it's really fascinating to me because during that, during that time period um, where you guys had your last conversation, sure. he spoke to a lot of people, myself included, and he had time on his hands and he was just calling all his friends and yeah. people, man. It was, it's really I, fascinating that you, and I was wondering when I asked you that, I was thinking, I wonder if it was during that November area. Yeah, it was. And I could probably pinpoint it down a little closer, but after, you know, we heard, I heard the news, you know, I, I found out a day before, um, you know, leading up to the point. Um, but, uh, thought about that. Like, I'm just like, did he know prior to that? Like, was it, you know, is this something that, you know, he had a feeling about or, you know, how you have that, you know, you yeah. say it's just like, you know, you know, what's coming, but, you know, and I always felt like, it's funny because I, I felt like I was probably like the only one, you know, that you know, just like you have that like conceited feeling. I'm just like, man, you know, when you tell people like, well, you know, God, I, you know, I, I'm so fortunate. I got, you know, a good hour, hour and a half conversation with him. <laughs> but, uh, you know, now hearing that from, from, you know, a couple other people, it's crazy to think yeah. that, you know, that, 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 you know, and maybe it's just coincidence. Maybe he just, you know, like you said, maybe he just had like a shit ton of time on his hands because he wasn't gigging five gigs a week and or five gigs a day. And, you know, he could just be like, Hey, you know, I haven't talked to Tenor and I, you know, I'm going to give Tafoya a call and I'm going to give uh, Randy a call because I, you know, I haven't talked to him in a while. And, you know, maybe we were just all lucky in that sense. Well, I had the same thought, dude. You know, I felt, I felt special because I was like, Oh, ha, I got yeah. something for an hour, yeah. you know, but he was talking yeah. to everybody, but just, I think throughout his whole life, you know, or, or especially his, the era of his life performing in Phoenix and having all his friends and all that, he made everyone he talked to feel special. 
Always. Absolutely. You know, anytime that he would pay any attention to my original music or compliment me on it or come, you know, he'd show up randomly in between gigs to Randy and, and, and mine's gigs. And yeah, <laughs> when he was there, it was like, Oh, Ethan, look at me. Dude. Check this out. Look what yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Just always made, made you feel special. I learned, I learned the G chord yesterday. Check this out, yeah. man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or, or G seven. Yeah. yeah. I played a G seven yeah. like Paul McCartney did in this one too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Remember, remember we were playing that song the other day and you gave me that weird look and you said that's the seventh chord. Here it is. I got it. I got it down finally. <laughs> Yeah, man, man, yeah. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me, man. But yeah, man. You know, before I start winding down, were there any, you know, thoughts or notes or or anything perhaps that I didn't ask you about that you wanted um, to talk about or mention before I give you my last couple questions? Um, you know, just uh, we we had a we had a lot of the the things that I had written down just to. You know, just in case we didn't get to it, I think you got to all of them. Honestly. Awesome. Um, you know, there was uh, there were some there's some very funny memories that that I was gonna kind of throw in there of of your previous guest, you know, Mike Mercier, with the kind of how we all met. I think you know, I don't know if it was the first time he met Ethan at this point, I and mean, I think maybe Mike and I had met a few times before, but like there was a the Cinco de Mayo gig out at. Uh, out at uh, um, Dos Gringos when they, you know, Dos Gringos was Dos Gringos, you know, when they were very popular and they had like massive stages and everything for all the bands and the gig that, you know, the, my most memorable moment of Ethan, Mike and myself was the, was the Cinco de Mayo gig where we were just like sweating our asses off out on this gig at like noon and you know nobody knew who Ethan and I were, and and Mike had been in that scene with Sugar Daddies and Dose for you know a little bit of time, and everybody knew him, and you know he was he was the you know he was the guy, you know he was the main dude for you know on the schedule. Everybody wanted to go see Mike, and and we were sweating profusely out there, no water, like nothing. I mean, we were just in a desert island, and, and Mike shows up with his guitar and all this shit, and. You know, like five dudes run up, like, let's get an umbrella up for you, man. And they're like bringing, you know, water out. And like, this is Mike, you know, and like, and we're just like, you know, part of my friends are like, fuck this guy. Like, who is this guy? You know, we're like dying out here. And this guy shows up and, the, you know, everybody's up his ass and, you know, giving him everything he needs. And I think he brought it up on your show before, but like, and probably downplayed it. But like, it was, it was. It was annoying as hell at the time, but it's super funny now, you know, and, right. and probably it was super funny the day after, but just how, like, I remember those are the things there's like just a little snippets of like where we were in time when we all met each other and, and, and just, you know, the, the impact that, you know, just from knowing him, the friendships that we've all formed, yeah, you know, on the outside, you know, there's, you know, the, I mean, the people that I've met and, you know, unfortunately, you don't stay in touch and, you know, that's, you know, that's life and everything. Just like with you and I, like, I would never know you if it wasn't for him. I would sure. never know. I, you know, I met Mike prior to, to, to Ethan, so I can't give him credit for that. But, uh, you know, like Tony and, and Todd and Jay Allen. I mean, Jay Allen is, you know, this guy's a staple who would have ever thought, you know, not in a mean way, but like, who would have ever thought that Jay Allen, you know, 
20 years, you know, 15 years is like, he's a staple in Phoenix. Like so many people know that guy. I've been in, I've been in meetings in medical facilities where like somehow Jay Allen got brought up, you know, like, <laughs> wow. you know, we're just like completely different. And I'm just like, you know, all these people that, you know, because of this guy, you know, all the friends that, yeah. that you formed and, and the friendships that you formed and the, and, and everything is just because of him. And, you know, even if it was for like five seconds, you still have, you know, you still remember that or you still have it. I'm like, oh, yeah, how do I know? Oh, yeah, from Ethan. That's right. I remember that. So, you know, a lot of the things that you brought up covered everything that I wanted to talk about, you know. Awesome. There's, you know, there's a there's there's memories of being at, you know, Kathleen's house and, you know, doing the Prescott gigs and stuff like that, that. You know, it's probably a, a whole nother show, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of other things that, that, that can be brought up with him and, and gigs and, you know, just tons of positivity and in music. And, and I'm just so happy that you were able to do this and bring this to, to everybody. And so we can all kind of come together in a episode by episode <laughs> and listen to everybody's, uh, you know, stories and you know, reflect on how great everything was, you know, and how, how much he loved everybody. Yeah, man, sure. And it, I mean, you can imagine how awesome it's been for me, you know, to sit down and talk to people one by one by one. I, You're probably maybe the 30th or 31st, 32nd person that I've spoken to Sure. Um, but, you know, like we were talking earlier about um, the fact that Ethan spoke to so many of his friends in November and they were all in all of those conversations that I've heard people talk about were always so positive And he had so so much optimism and that kind of stuff was such a huge contrast to what ended up happening a month later, you know, right. and it felt almost as if, though, he was kidnapped or taken away from us, you know, and, right. and although we all were able, a lot of us were able to have that awesome last conversation with them. For me personally, I felt as if though there was like things unsaid or, or unfinished or undone, you know? So mm -hmm. if I, you know, if you, if you had the opportunity to talk to him mm -hmm. one more time or spend a wow. day with him or have some kind of last, last, interaction with them how do you think that would go mm. what would you say or how, how, how do you play it out in your mind yeah i mean just that just that question alone is is it hits hard mm -hmm. yeah um you know i would just oh man that's a great question i wasn't expecting it and that's a that's a, it's an emotional thought you know because you always think that about you know a lot of people that you know, um, you know, I guess I would, I guess I would probably just thank him for, for, man, that's, you're going to have to add a lot here because I don't know, but that's a great question. Uh, how would you, you know, there would, I would definitely want to play a few songs with him for sure to get that out of the way first. <laughs> you know, just that, you know, there's a, there's, you know, I would definitely, uh, 
you know, relive the the Floyd Beatles thing and then um you know, just some of our kind of funny songs that he, you know, that he made up his own words for, like you said, and just kind of get those out of the way. And then, you know, I would just love to sit and just let him know how much of an impact that he had on my life and, you know, my, the stories and, you know, things that, you know, that I've passed down to even my son of just, you know, how, positive he was and how how he lived his life in the moment you know like I feel like Ethan always lived his life for that minute and and for somebody to to be able to do that is is a rare find you know you never you never you never got Ethan with baggage you know it was always Ethan right now and that's one thing that, that I wish you know that I could that I could do for my life and, and just be like, you know, just be in that moment, in the moment, in the moment. And, and I feel like that that's really genuinely how he lived his life. That it was just, you know, what was ever happening in that minute. He never thought of anything that was, or at least projected anything that was going to be, that he was worried about from the past or the future. It was just, I'm here, I'm Ethan. I'm, you know, this, this, you're going to, this is what you get right now. <laughs> and and God, man, that's such a very emotional question to ask because there's it's almost you can't even put it into words. What 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 would you do? What you have one more day? You know, there's a lot. There's a million things because he was so dynamic that where would you even start? You know? Sure. You, you, almost, even... you almost need a little extra time to ponder it for a couple of days because i mean wonder. really it really it's hard i mean i probably just rambled yeah. off a bunch of gibberish and that made no sense oh, be man, and no. because it's it is it's hard to it's hard to put into words right now because it's it's uh you know to, to think about i mean and again i think about them a lot that it's uh it'd be hard to <laughs> It'd be hard to narrow it down into a 24-hour span. Even that seems like a long time, but not with that situation. Right. Yeah. Well, I think you touched on it pretty well, dude. You know. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Yeah, that was that's that was, okay, that was man. Tough one. No, I yeah. know. I know it's a heavy question, and yeah, you know, I I don't I don't ask it because I'm trying to you know do like a gotcha sort of thing, but no, sure. I know what I would say and I know what I would do with them. And I, and I'm always curious about what other people, and, and, and a lot of the answers are very similar for me because, you know, it, it's hard, like you say, it's hard to condense it down into one last thing you could say to him because he was so sure. dynamic and because he means so much to so many people and influenced so many people's lives. And so, yeah, man, he had a huge influence and it's hard to condense into one statement what you would say or do with Ethan but yeah you could you could make a show about that you know just, oh, for sure. just the, yeah just the last one thing that that you brought up a few times about just like timing and stuff like that um that I always loved about Ethan that I never I never thought that I had or knew and and about at all but he was just like man you, you're always playing in the pocket man you can always play in the pocket and I'm just like what are you talking about like, I don't just, I'm just like, I just play. Like, there's no, I'm not thinking about any of that. It's just, yeah. 
you know, I just he's, he's like, man, you always play, you always play in the pocket, man. You always play in the pocket. I love it. I love it. It's so easy to follow. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, it's just again another like Ethanism that you just, you know, it's a. I mean, obviously it's a real term, but but it's uh, you know, he would always you know say stuff to me where I'm just like, all right, like I didn't know that I did that, but I'm super glad that I do because you know it's easier for you to play gigs with me, I guess. So I just do it to have fun. But like to him, it was always there was always like a he was always yeah, God, he just always had that musicianship that I never understood. You know, it was just, I just did it because I played since I was five years old and I don't remember ever struggling with music or anything like that. Cause I was so young. So it was like, in my brain, it was just like, You're fearless. I just always knew, I just always knew. And, and that was the way it was. And nobody, nobody ever, you know, showed me or taught me how to play with a band or how to play with a duo group or anything like that. Cause I was you know, I'm an only child. I played in my house and just played guitar. That was it. And, you know, to walk into that situation and, and just to be, for him to be so like welcoming and, and professional about this is always so crazy to me that. But you know, you know what though, man, because of his, you know, welcoming demeanor and mm-hmm. his kindness and his, it was almost like he gave the gift that he gave us was that we were able to participate in that level of musicianship. I honestly feel like if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have been where I was through that time. You know, I think he definitely catapulted me to a certain level, you know, gave me the confidence or gave me the, you know, the, the, the gigs or the the pathways to say like, you know, if you want to do this, here's how you do it. And I'll, and I'll give you a little jump start to do it. And then it's up to you kind of after that. Yeah. And this is kind of how you need to act. And this is what you need to do. Even though he could be an asshole on stage or, or he can, you know, be passive aggressive or however he acted, you know, where you're just like, I know that they think that's funny, but he's actually serious. <laughs> you know, like, like that's where, you know, in my head, I'm thinking that, but you know, he definitely, I, I don't think that I would have, I don't think I'd be sitting here on your show right now if it wasn't for him, you know, whether we had a five minute conversation together or, you know, had a, you know, a seven year relationship as a musician, you know, he, he definitely had that ability to, to kind of help, you know, people starting out, get to a certain level to, you know, to have a career or have, you know, uh, whatever they wanted to make it, he kind of gave those tools to them. Yeah, I did, man. Amen, brother. That's for sure. I agree. Well, Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me tonight, man. It's been great to see you. And I'm glad that we recently um, started communicating more and got back in touch. And, you know, I, I would think the greatest gift for me through this podcast is reconnecting with so many friends and meeting new people and being able to, you know, it's a testament to Ethan's influence on all of us. Sure. You know, yeah. well, thanks for taking the time to talk to me, man. And I appreciate I it. I, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And I look forward to a lot more years of keeping in touch with you, man. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate it. You got it, Matt. Thank you. Have a good night, brother. Yeah, you too. Thanks, man. Talk, talk soon. 
I appreciate Matt taking the time to speak with me. He's a very busy guy, and I know it's not easy for him to set time aside nowadays. So it was a real treat to be able to talk with him, and I enjoyed listening to his thoughts and memories about Ethan. Even though Matt doesn't perform anymore, there's still the hope that he'll put out some music into the universe that we can enjoy. So, Matt, if you're listening, you should uh, pick up your guitar and uh, spread some music around. I hope that you join me next week for a very special episode where I'll be speaking with all of the remaining members of the band Delcoa. Delcoa was an original music band that Ethan was a part of, and they were also known for doing some excellent cover songs. Uh, But we had a roundtable together with uh, Delcoa, and it was a really awesome conversation. It was a real treat to hear all of the surviving members' thoughts and memories of their time in the band with Ethan. So make sure you join me next week to listen to that. I'd like to leave you today with a song from the era that Matt and I were talking about. As a matter of fact, when this song was recorded, uh, Matt was there running sound alongside Alan Chadwick. Uh, to gather the tracks for our first album called Turn Off Your Television. And this particular song was one that is special for me because when I first met Ethan and we started uh, sharing song ideas together, he was very encouraging for my original music. And aside from a song called Body and Soul, this was the second thing that I showed him. And uh, I don't know, my, my confidence level just wasn't high at the time. I had never really shared my original music with anyone and Ethan really liked the song he helped me form it and um, even you know put a couple of the verses together and it just reminds me of Ethan's generosity and you know his enthusiasm for other people's love of music as well so I thought it would be appropriate for me to play that song for you today this song is called absence thanks for joining and we'll see you soon
Better play. 